Hello, friends. You're listening to the Sound Off Podcast. My name is Nate Laux, and I'm your host. Sound Off is a community conversation show that airs each Monday and Friday live on 96.7 The Eagle in LaPorte, Indiana. And while podcasts don't allow for live interaction, we are still grateful to have you listening and engaged. So please help us out by subscribing and rating the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Share the podcast with your friends and enjoy today's conversation. Welcome to this podcast of Sound Off from November 15th, 2021 with your host, Nate Laux. Today, Nate hosts a conversation with Laporte County Sheriff John Boyd. Now here's your host, Pastor Nate Laux. Welcome, friends. Welcome to today's Sound Off. It's Monday, November 15th, and you're listening to Sound Off on 96.7 The Eagle. My name is Nate Laux, and it's an honor to be your host today. My guest in the studio today is LaPorte County Sheriff John Boyd. You can make your voice heard today by calling or texting the Liquorball on air line at 219-362-0522 or emailing me at soundoff at 967theeagle.com. Maybe you've got a, a question for Sheriff Boyd about local law enforcement issues or something you want to know, you know, maybe just like a style question. He's a stylish guy, so you can ask him those as well. So, Sheriff Boyd, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, Nate? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, in another year... You're going to be unemployed. When's the last time you've been unemployed? Uh, well, I'd have to go back till I was about seven or eight years old. I remember my dad told me I needed to get a job and start mowing lawns. So tell me, again, what are your plans after a year? you got uh, a year left. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, my plan is uh, to continue working for the sheriff's office and the people of LaPorte County until I retire. And afterwards, I don't know. Uh, and the <laughs> maybe, reason I don't know Maybe is, nap a little, maybe you know, yeah, watch some soaps. No, I'm going to have two in college. And I can't <laughs> stand sitting around. Uh, I can't stand being in the house. I have to be outside, and so I'm going to do something. I just don't know what it is at this point, but I've I've had a couple of um, people with some overtures saying, hey, we'd love to hire you. Uh, are you interested, and when can you start? And when I say January 1st, 2023, everyone's like, oh, wait a minute, I need you now. And so I'm fully committed to the sheriff's office until December 31st at uh, 11.59 p.m. So tell me then, you've got a little over a year left. What are some of the things you want to get done in this next year as, you know, as the as you fill out your term here? Yeah, uh, we got a couple of projects that we're working on right now that we we desperately need to finish those projects. One of them is our body cam project. We have the body cams in place. We're awaiting for our policy to be completed uh, and some retraining because the last time we trained was this summer with the body cameras. And before we deploy them, we want to go through some refresher training with our staff. But we've got to get those deployed. So that certainly is a goal that we have. Uh, we also want to make sure that we get renewed funding from the Indiana Criminal Justice Institute. And as I speak, uh, Chief Deputy Ron Heeg and Major Heath Haffercamp have recently completed the funding request for 2022. We're awaiting word, but all indications are that it's going to be a go, that they'll uh, continue to fund this five-year funding project that we have. Another project that we're in the works with uh, that uh, cor- correlates with the 21st century policing from President Obama that he authored and commissioned back in about 2015 is our policy revisions. That's one of the pillars of that uh, 21st uh, century policing. So we want to complete the rewrite of our policies that will uh, make that will ensure that the policies of the sheriff's office are up to date. We haven't had a major policy revision since Jim Arnold was sheriff, and that was 16 years ago. 
but it will also mirror and will be consistent with all sheriff's offices in the state of Indiana. Uh, currently, the company that we're contracted with is doing approximately 3,500, if I'm not mistaken, rewrites the policies throughout the country. We're just uh, desperately behind the times in our policy. So that will take us into next year as well. So those are two of the major projects that we're working on right now. Now, Sheriff, there are some people that, you know, obviously you work with consultants, you work with all these kind of people about this, and they, they, they get weird feelings about, you know, government agencies paying all these consultants these kind of things but it is important to have updated policies explain to our listeners why this is an important project for the sheriff to get done well it's really important because policies dictate uh, what we can do and what we can't do and to make sure that we're following the best practices in the country and also most importantly to make sure that we're following our laws because they're constantly being updated and to make sure that they're following Supreme Court rulings as well because those are constantly being updated as well we want to make sure that we're uniform and uh, that it gives us um, a manner in which how to get things done and to do it efficiently. So take me through a little bit. Um, there's obviously broader conversations going on in every community, including the city of Laporte. Mayor Dermody just, uh, you know, and the city council in Laporte just worked on new wage increases for um, their police and city employees. Michigan City is in the process of doing that. LaPorte County is talking about it as well. How important is this for your deputies? And and not just your deputies. I I read a story on hometownnewsnow.com or I'd heard it on the radio that also your jail staff, these kind of things. There's so many people. I think you're the largest staff in the county. How important is it to get wage increases for your people? Well, it's very important. And as I point out at all of our council meetings and the listening sessions with the council and commission is, uh, as you know, Dennis, certainly you know running a business, the most important asset that you have are your employees. Yeah, Dennis and, doesn't pay me enough <laughs> if we want to talk about that right now. Uh, perhaps after the meeting I can help him find his wallet for you. <laughs> Uh, but we need to take care of those that are taking care of the public. Uh, we do things that are absolutely unimaginable and at tremendous risk uh, with very little reward. And not only are our employees subject to risk, but our spouses and our families, our loved ones, are also subjected to the same risks, whether it be threats that are being made, not only to our deputies, but to their families, but the unseen risks like covid tuberculosis, hepatitis, HIV. We just had a decision that was uh, handed down in a local court here two weeks ago in which someone was convicted of battering several of our officers with body waste. He knowingly and intentionally spit on them knowing that he had um, hepatitis and it subjected them to the same disease that he has. Uh, He was handed a fairly significant prison sentence as a result of that. But that's just a, a small example of what the hidden dangers that our, our deputies are faced with every single day. I gave some talking points to our county council recently, and I just highlighted several of the cases that we've had over the last three months or so where we've had some deputies that have been in significantly uh, in harm's way. Uh, one where we had a deputy that chased a fleeing felon into a business here in the city of Laporte after that suspect had feloniously attacked a Laporte police officer. And our deputy was um, significantly injured when he fell from a scaffolding as he was chasing the suspect up into the rafters of this building. He was trying to get away when the deputy fell. And he was off of work um, for several weeks because of a significant injury that he suffered. 
Uh, we had another deputy that responded to a domestic violence situation at a home, and when he went to the door uh, to try to ascertain um, how the victim was, the female, and try to get to her so he could provide help, the suspect opened his door and released his pit bull, and our deputy was, um, was bitten as a result of that. Last Thanksgiving, and we like to think that the holidays are quiet, but remember, we work 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our deputies responded to a suspicious male in Springfield Township, and upon their arrival, this suspicious male was armed, unbeknownst to us, and he fired more than 30 rounds at our deputies uh, when they responded. Fortunately, we weren't hurt. We did uh, return fire, and subsequently, this individual was able to get away, and he leapfrog up the road and tried to enter about five homes, tried to um, invade his way into those homes. We finally located him and took him into custody, Um, but those are just a few of the dangers that were subjected to each and every day but with that said it's not just our patrol officers but uh, for instance uh, we need to advocate for our emergency vehicle technicians because if it isn't for our emergency vehicle technicians who maintain not only the fleet of the sheriff's office but 153 vehicles owned by county government uh, we're not responding to calls now it's especially important because they're working on ambulances that transported covid positive patients and of course the ambulance crew uh, they disinfect and sanitize the interior of the ambulance, but they can't even, for instance, open the door to the vehicle without having to sanitize it first, our emergency uh, vehicle technicians, so they can get in it. Uh, but coroner's vehicles and, and certainly law enforcement and EMA transport COVID positive people and people that have other bloodborne pathogens. Our courthouse security, uh, we're advocating uh, for a raise for them and certainly our jail uh, correctional deputies also because they're guarding some very volatile uh, individuals and some people that um, have infectious disease like COVID. For instance, we have COVID cases now in our jail. We're just notified this weekend that we now have um, two additional COVID positive um, employees that we know that they more, most likely um, got COVID from the inmates that they're uh, sworn to protect and guard. And so there are a number of risks that they face every day. And as we've said, our our county employees, countywide and county government, are very important to the services that county government provide. We are no better than what they are. We're just different. And I think we, we only need to start with the fact that we have to put ballistic vests on when we go to work. And we have to carry a firearm to keep other people safe and keep us safe as well. Uh, we have a very, very dangerous job. And communities around us are recognizing how important we are to the safety of the citizens that live in that municipality or in that county. And they're paying the wages that are due those police officers. And we're just asking that our county council do that as well. It, it it really is difficult to attract good employees, but even more so with all the other communities around us making more money and the amount of time it takes to train an individual and get them up and running. It's not like training somebody to do a desk job where it may take a couple of weeks. We're talking at least a year before somebody can be out on their own. They go to the police academy and then field training and other on-the-job training before they're trusted to be out on their own alone. Yeah, nobody wants to, whatever employee you, employer you are, nobody wants to be at the point where you just accept a person into you know the the role because 
you have no one else there, right? You cannot and, lower our you know, standards. Exactly. You absolutely so, cannot. Um, having a, a good wage to attract better people is right. is, is crucial. It's commensurate know. with the risk that, that they face every single day. Yep, absolutely. We've got Sheriff John Boyd on the show today. We're going to take our first break. we got a, a caller on wait. If you've got um, uh, if you've got a question for Sheriff Boyd, the number is 219-362-0522. The Liquor Vault on Air line is open, 219-362-0522. You can call me or text me. We're going to take a brief break, get back to your calls uh, after this break, but keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle. Welcome back, friends. I think we've got all of our technical issues worked out, but there's no promises. I am now the director of technical services during this show. So we've got uh, Sheriff Boyd on uh, in the studio with us. The Liquor Vault on air line is 219-362-0522. If you have a question for Sheriff Boyd or if you want to talk about law enforcement issues here locally, do give us a call or a text, 219-362-0522. Let's get to the line. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for holding. What's your question for Sheriff Boyd? Good afternoon, Sheriff Boyd. Thanks for coming on to answer questions. You're welcome, uh, Steve. This is Steve Hollifield. Um, first of all, you guys do an outstanding job. God bless you for being there for us. The EMT is the same way. No one is saying they don't deserve a raise. But paying for it is a lot more difficult than I think the uh, county government thinks. From the standpoint... You took it upon yourself to look outside the box to save money in the sheriff's department with outsourcing, or whatever term you would use, for the food services. That saved money. Why doesn't anybody else in the county government look outside the box to think there's other ways besides just raising taxes? Because, yes, these people do deserve raises, but it's getting harder and harder if you look in the paper, the number of foreclosures, the, the number of sheriff sales, the number of tax sales every year. There's got to be another way to do this without placing the burden all on LaPorte County residents because, as you know, we shrank 1.6% last year by census. So what's your thoughts about looking outside to do something different? Thank you. Well, that's uh, that's a good question, Steve. And the county council have a very un- unbeatable task uh, to try to make a decision and figure out where the money has come from. Uh, I-, I also don't want to say that other County department heads or elected officials aren't thinking outside the box and haven't taken a taxpayer saving measures because I know some of them have. But I will also tell you that the cost of doing business has grown exponentially. We were talking it talking about it prior to the show today. For instance, the cost of feeding the prisoners has gone up uh, just like it's the cost of feeding your family has gone up. The cost of providing medical care for our inmates has gone up just like the cost of medical care for you and your family family has gone up. The cost of keeping vehicles on the road and putting gas in those cars so we can answer calls has gone up, yet the amount of money that we're bringing in has not. So we need to do something. Otherwise, we're going to need to consider cutting services, and that's the last thing that we want to do. We want to make sure that, uh, first and foremost, we have deputies that are available to answer the calls, and then we need to have the means for them to respond to those calls and have the equipment that they need in order to successfully uh, come to a resolution uh, for the people that need our services. Uh, so with that being said, I wish I had a magic wand, but I did sit through a meeting last week in which uh, Sheriff Mike Nielsen from Boone County came up and presented uh, to a number of leaders. Um, a number of the leaders were from emergency services talking about the public service uh, lit tax, the 
local income tax. And I think, uh, you know, I know you're anti-tax, but it may be a viable alternative, especially considering when you look at the chart that LaPorte County uh, is paying considerably less taxes than uh, the other 92 counties. I think we're the fourth lowest. I think that's uh, one of the one of the things that we're doing right here. However, uh, we we need to keep up with the other communities and we need to look at what they've done successfully in order to um, overcome the financial ob- obstacles that are out there. Um, I, I just, um, you know, I, I look eager, I look forward, and, and I'm eager to additional presentations by Mayor Dermody con- concerning this, but certainly what I've heard, uh, I'm on board and I'm supportive. And keep in mind, I'm a taxpayer too. <laughs> All right, the, the Liquor Vault on airline is open, 219-362-0522. If you have a question for Sheriff Boyd or uh, local law enforcement, we'd love to hear it today. We've got some texts coming in we're going to get to, but I also want to thank all of you that are listening online and on Facebook. We've got listeners from Finland, Indianapolis, Milford, Chicago, Springfield, Illinois, and LaPorte and everywhere in between. We appreciate you online as well. So Sheriff Boyd, some legislators are trying to push the school board elections to be partisan. You have to register to be a Republican, a Democrat, or Libertarian to run for office. You're not a guy that seems to love politics. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely don't. And I've told people that I'm not a politician. I'm a police officer. But I think that would be a huge mistake. I think it should be nonpartisan. And if it were up to me, the sheriff, say, do you think the sheriff's? No, the sheriff should be nonpartisan. The judges should be nonpartisan. And the prosecutor should be nonpartisan as well. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I was wondering your opinion about that. Because you, 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 obviously you are a Republican, but you, you haven't. You haven't relished being a, you know, partisan uh, sheriff. There's right. no, I've not heard any insinuation that you are partisan at all. So uh, obviously I think it, it's a good uh, impen- uh, a good thing to get your opinion on that. All right, here's another text. Let's try this again. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. The sheriff, is there any work being done between you and Representative Pressel on controlling the use of high-intensity light bars on vehicles as a CMV operator? These are extremely dangerous. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. Hey, you have a great week, too. Uh, I think a lot of that would be up to the uh, Department of Transportation, not Indiana, but the Federal Department of Transportation. Uh, I have not had a conversation with Representative Pressel about that. Uh, our lights have gotten brighter at the recommendation of Department of Transportation because they said emergency service lights aren't bright enough. We need to forewarn oncoming traffic. But I also know, and I've told our staff this as well, we do, we have the, the capability of subduing our lights once we get on like a crash scene. Because oftentimes when you can come into a crash scene at night, uh, especially if the weather's inclement, it's snowing or it's rainy, uh, the it really becomes very bright. And it's very difficult to see. You can be blinded by the emergency lights. So we've asked our deputies to dim their lights somewhat and stop their turn off their alternating uh, headlights because those can be blinding. So we've asked that they do that or even maybe sometimes um, turn on just their parking lights uh, to reduce the glare. Uh, but also we wear the reflective clothing also. Uh, but while I do understand what the texture is saying, I don't, I don't think that the Indiana has any say in that legislation that would come from the federal level. All right, let's get to a call here. Hey, welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us today. Sheriff Boyd's in the studio with me. Do you have a question for Sheriff Boyd? Yeah, uh, good afternoon, uh, men. Uh, Sheriff, uh, right where you were sitting there, about 40 years ago, a group uh, became missing, and I think they found their car and that they're on Forrester Road. 
and her name was last name was Boyd. Yes. And I've often wondered if she was any relation to you, and have you guys ever thought about uh, opening that case back up and just kind of trying to take a look, a fresh set of eyes on that. Yes, uh, her Thank name you. was, yeah, a really good question. Her name was Juanita Boyd. She is no relation to me. I did not know her. Uh, but yes, it is a cold case that we are currently looking at. It is, um, it is never, um, it, it's never been closed. And uh, I can tell you that uh, we still currently have um, uh, multi-jurisdictional investigators looking at that case. All right, here's another question. We've got Sheriff John Boyd in the studio today. Glad to have him with us. The Liquor Vault on airline is 209-362-0522. If you have a question, let us know via text or a phone call, uh, whatever you prefer. Here's a question for you, Sheriff Boyd, from our text line. How about um, the county jail move to a new location? Do you favor the county jail staying put? Excellent job, Nate. Uh, it's something that we need to look at. And when I took office, we actually created the strategic plan. And that was one of the things that we looked at. And we told our county council that while it may not be in my term, whether it be a four or eight year term, it's something that's going to have to happen probably within the next eight years. So the next sheriff is going to have to address it. With that said, we have people that don't want to pay our police officers. How can we be <laughs> afford to build a new jail? And that's uh, perhaps um, another reason that we need to look at a lit tax. With that said, the lit tax is not a funding mechanism for a new jail, but certainly could help with it. Uh, there are a number of counties in Indiana that are going through a jail renovation or a reconstruction project, but the current jail where it sits right now is a terrible location. There's no room for growth. We can't go out. We can't go up. The uh, jail ages in dog years, so for every year it's in service, it ages seven years. So the renovation was completed in 2003. It was built in 1976. So you do the math. We are due for a new jail. Uh, it probably would be an ideal uh, office space if it were renovated, but we should build out somewhere we have room for growth, perhaps somewhere between Laporte and Michigan City. And I think that uh, probably what should have been done is uh, it, they should have looked at it and uh, perhaps incorporate some courts uh, with uh, a new jail that would be built uh, and also perhaps incorporate uh, juvenile and adult probation the court services in that same building under one roof and it certainly would be a lot easier to manage right now our jail the way it's constructed is manpower intensive and when I tell people that we have uh, more jail employees guarding 300 and 68 inmates then we do patrol officers most people are flare floored given the geographic size of our county and the population that we serve we we have uh, we don't have nearly enough patrol officers and uh, but we really don't have enough correctional officers because of the design of the jail so if I'm hearing you right here on on this sheriff Boyd uh, again not a problem you're probably gonna fix but the next next administration will certainly have yes. something to do with this but to make the improvements that the jail needs, but also just as a whole, the sheriff's department needs your landlocks. You can't do anything there about right. it, correct? So That's exactly right. All right, here's another question for you. Is it correct that I have to contact the sheriff's department to request no Jake break signs installed on Highway 20 in Rolling Prairie? No, uh, the sheriff's office has nothing to do that other than enforcement. If there's an ordinance that's passed and on Highway 20, I would suggest that you start with the Indiana Department of Transportation to see if they would uh, install the signs. I don't. I, I would think that a um, that could be an advisory sign, but if there were any teeth behind it, they would need to be uh, uh, legislation, whether that would be a county ordinance or a state law that would prohibit it. Uh, but again, the sheriff's office is not the entity to contact if you want those 
signs erected. I would imagine contacting your county commissioner, whoever is in your area, would yes. probably be a good first step as well. All right, we've got Sheriff John Boyd on the show today. We're going to take a really quick break, our final break of the day. we got some callers on the line. We're going to get to you as soon as we get back. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to Sound Off. Keep listening. We've got one more segment for you. Keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Sheriff John Boyd with us on the show. I've had a great show with you today, Sheriff Boyd. we got some callers on the line. If you've got a question for Sheriff Boyd, 219-362-0522. we got a little over 10 minutes left. Let's get to as many questions as we can. Hey, thanks so much for calling. You're on air. What's your question for Sheriff Dermody? Or Sheriff Dermody. <laughs> Sheriff Boyd. Oh, uh, yes. I'm calling in regards to uh, Highway 20, which has been a uh, topic for a number of years. Uh, I live on uh, Highway 20 between uh, 94 and 39. And um, the last probably three or four months, uh, we're not seeing any uh, county police out here uh, stopping anybody. And um, traffic has become so, uh, I mean, it's it's increased so much, and especially the last couple of weeks when we had that detour on 35 that they were here. And the only people we see out here uh, doing any stops, uh, and they're very sparingly being done, is the state police. I'm what shocked that you're telling me that. Um, yeah, because the, the, we actually met with command staff from the state police a month ago where they said that they're going to cut back their patrols even more and asking us to do even more up in the interstate, uh, I-94 and the toll road. Uh, with that said, while you may not see our deputies on Highway 20, I can assure you uh, that they are conducting traffic stops up there and they are taking enforcement action. But I can also assure you that they are very, very busy and it is difficult for them to be up there when they have so many other roads and highways that they're responsible for at the same time. Not to mention their calls for service that are, are growing each and every year and our uh, manpower has not increased with the commensurate with the calls for service that we're receiving. So it is uh, very difficult. We would like to be up there uh, even more, but we, we simply uh, can only be up there as much as we can. And when we're on Highway 20, that means that we're not on Johnson Road and that we're not on 400 West or 300 West School Road for Springfield Township. Uh, we're not on 400 North and, and so on and so forth. So we do our best to get around and take care of the complaints. But the number one complaint that we get at the Sheriff's Office by far is about uh, driving behavior. And so we try, it's like trying to put out a grass fire. You know, you're stomping every which way trying to put it out. Our roads are getting better and unfortunately our speeds are getting higher and people are driving more and more recklessly. They're very impatient. And so we're getting a lot of complaints, but um, I, I appreciate your call. I appreciate your concern. We're doing our best. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you said that you're seeing state police up there because we know that they have even less of a presence in LaPorte County than what they've ever had before. And I want to publicly apologize to you for calling you Sheriff Dermody. I can't imagine. There's, well, I was insulted. There's, there's worse. I work for a I, I can't imagine, yeah, to, to call you anything worse than that. I'm, I'm really sorry. But anyway, uh, we've got some uh, more callers and texts coming in. Let's get to one more caller before we get to some texts. Hey, thanks so much for calling. Thanks for waiting on the line. We've got Sheriff Boyd on the show. What's your question for Sheriff Boyd? Uh, yeah, this, uh, when they have uh, red and blue, uh, like they have a toxic park that drinking, and they have the same thing almost that uh, on a Johnson Road, 525, I think it is. Are those illegal to drink on them uh, places? 
Yes, there, there was a, a permit that was issued by the Indiana Alcoholic Beverage Commission in which Bethany Church and the folks uh, that sponsor Red Wine and Brew applied for. And so it was legal, uh, and that was a big fundraiser. Emergency services realized a lot of money from that. And every one of our deputies that worked at that event volunteered their time. We, we uh, volunteered, oh gosh, I, I had to figure this summer, but it was well over 200 hours or maybe even 300 hours that we volunteered at that event because it, it's, um, it's so beneficial for emergency uh, services. And uh, through their fundraising efforts, we actually were able to acquire several of our canines at no expense to our taxpayers. Yeah, uh, again, to the, I think the operative word there is they did get permits, though, to yes, do that. Yes, they did. Yep. Yep. Hey, uh, real quick, somebody texted us back about this um, uh, sign that they went up, and INDOT told them to contact the sheriff's department. And so um, I think you would probably say contact your commissioner, right, because they would be able to. Yes, I would I would say so. The commissioner for that area up there would be Rich Morozinski. So call Rich and uh, Commissioner Morozinski and let him be aware that uh, you're interested in having um, an ordinance or having uh, Jake Brakes uh signage up there all right here's some more questions coming in through the text line we've got sheriff boyd with us uh here's a a text we received i agree the sheriff's department is essential but the county keeps forgetting about the highway department without them people in emergency departments would have a hard time getting through winter storms and other hazardous things that prevent road travel and safety would you agree with that absolutely i would agree and again we are no better Uh, we're just different and again we are a 24 7 operation seven days a week um our partners at and i say partners at county highway because they truly are they are wonderful they do great work and every county employee is uh, worthy of a pay raise my responsibility is to advocate for the sheriff's office employees. And so I want to make absolutely sure, and I've done this all along, I'm not going to do it at the expense of the other county employees. Uh, they are uh, no better than us. We're no better than them. We are just different. And so I'm, I'm merely doing my job, and I'm looking out for those that are in harm's way every single day. Here uh, is another question we received on our text line for Sheriff Boyd. Do we have to have high-speed chases? I have known of an innocent person that died in one of these. Well, uh, certainly it's something that we we look at and we gauge each uh, pursuit um, for a couple of different factors. This goes back to why it's important to have a policy because we're not only looking at uh, Supreme Court decisions and we're looking at laws, but we're also looking at best practices, not only in Indiana, but across the nation when it comes to chases. We call off a lot of chases because we know that it just isn't worth it. Uh, but there are some that we chase that truly are a danger to society. And although the mainstream media oftentimes, not talking about local, but the mainstream media oftentimes will try to blame law enforcement for an innocent person that's uh, killed in a pursuit, it's the person that opts to flee uh, that is the person that's responsible. 99% of the people, when we turn on red lights behind them, they pull off to the side of the road and they stop and they comply with us. Unfortunately, there are some that think that they want to try to evade law enforcement and they'll do it at all costs. And unfortunately, uh, occasionally it does cost the life of an innocent person. And that's the last thing that we want. So we gauge all of those factors when we engage in a pursuit with somebody. So whether or not it's worth bringing them to justice at the expense of potentially another person. Yeah. You know, about the mainstream media, Joe calls Dennis the lamestream media. Would you agree? (laughs) No, Dennis has been very good to me. Oh, thank you very much, Mayor Boyd. (laughs) 
right. Hey, uh, so we had a recent conversation about legalizing marijuana here on the show. Obviously, uh, New Buffalo is talking about dispensaries in, in New Buffalo, Michigan. 60% of dispensaries near the state line in Michigan are Indiana customers and clients. Uh, we have a text here that came in. Legalized marijuana, use those tax dollars to pay various deficits, including sheriff uh, department wages and things like that. Do you have an opinion on the legalization of marijuana? I do. I'm against it. Um, and for a number of reasons. Of course, I'm in law enforcement and I see the detriment and the harm that it can cause. Uh, ironically, I've been in a number of um, seminars, meetings, uh, trainings in the last couple of years. Where we've talked about the legalization of marijuana and I've had an opportunity to talk firsthand with legislators uh, sheriffs and chiefs of police uh, and officials in states and communities in which they've legalized marijuana and the social costs, I think, far outweigh the benefits of legalizing it. Uh, you know, I would suggest that a person, uh, they look on the Internet and they see if they can find some research regarding it. With that said, be careful of uh, whose research you look at because oftentimes it could be slanted. And I actually pulled up some information. I had information from the uh, Office of National Drug Control Policy, but I knew that someone would think, boy, that's slanted because you're, you're anti-legalization of marijuana. So I found something from the Missouri, uh, the Journal of the Missouri State Medical Association, and I know that they are um, nonpartisan and they don't have um, a horse in the race. And I looked at what they reported when they looked at what was going on in states like Colorado. And when we look at, and, and you hear me talk a lot about, about uh, uh, here locally about traffic fatalities, the number of traffic fatalities in the state of Cal Colorado since they legalized marijuana increased 31%. It went up 109% of those that were involved in a fatality crash that were under the influence of marijuana. So it grew exponentially. More people are dying in automobile crashes because of the legalization of marijuana. And medical experts will tell you that uh, marijuana can, um, it, it, it can be um, more harmful for a person or just as harmful, in some cases more harmful uh, for a person under the influence of marijuana than a person that's under the influence of alcohol. Um, it, it can actually be worse. Uh, they talked about um, also the medical expense, the uh, the number of individuals who required hospitalization as a result of marijuana ingestion in states where it's become legal has grown almost 100%. And uh, so we're filling up hospitals needlessly. And we hear about how dangerous tobacco products are. Marijuana is even more dangerous. It has more chemicals than uh, what uh, tobacco products would have. Uh, there are a number of other reasons uh, that I am against it. And again, talking with sheriffs and chiefs of police, I've, I've heard about their crime rates in their uh, their towns and their cities and in their states and uh, the lack of motivation that people have that utilize marijuana. It's difficult to find a workforce now. But I also bear in mind that there are some occupations in which we cannot allow somebody to be in the influence or utilize marijuana. Uh, one would be a police officer. Uh, the argument is, uh, if it's legal to use marijuana, why can't everybody do it. Well, there's some professions you can't. I know I'm not going to get on a plane with a pilot that's been smoking marijuana. 20 years ago, I was in Salt Lake City at a conference and I attended a breakout training session that was hosted by the National Transportation Safety Board and the FAA where they did an experiment with the largest air carriers in the country in which they took um, uh, pilots from each air carrier and they put them in a flight simulator. And an hour prior to actually 
taking the mission, which was a rather routine mission, they allowed them to smoke marijuana. They kept one pilot out as a control. And an hour after smoking marijuana, they got in the simulator and they had just a normal uh, flight. Every one of those uh, pilots had something that occurred on a flight in which they would have had to have overcome in a normal routine flight, like a thunderstorm and some mechanical issues. And every one of those pilots that had smoked marijuana crashed the plane. I don't want to be the passenger on that plane when I have a mechanical issue and the pilot doesn't have the cognitive ability to think, how am I going to be able to correct this problem and get out of it? Uh, This experiment went on for about 10 days, and it wasn't until it got to the 10th, 11th, 12th day before pilots were able to successfully overcome those simulated issues on a normal flight and land the plane without any uh, issues. And uh, that was very scary to me. And so there are a number of occupations where we would have to be very cautious about anybody that has marijuana in their system. Because remember, marijuana metabolizes at a different rate than alcohol. Alcohol metabolizes out of everyone's system at a constant rate. It's 0.015% per hour, where marijuana can take up to 30 days to completely metabolize out of a person's system. And that depends on the amount of THC that's in that marijuana. So a long answer is no, I'm not in favor of it. Sorry. (laughs) All right. On that note, I want to thank Sheriff Boyd for being on the show today. And again, I want to apologize for calling him Sheriff Germany. I can't imagine a worse thing to call you. Um, You know, there's defund the police. There's all these things. And that has to be the worst thing you've ever heard. So I I do apologize. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Dennis Sedell for producing this. Jeff Wugazer for editing. We'll be back Friday right here on 96.7 The Eagle. Thank you for joining us and voicing your opinion on this edition of Sound Off. The views on Sound Off are those of the host or callers and do not represent the opinion of 96.7 The Eagle, Spoon River Media, LLC, or the sponsors. Sound Off airs every Monday and Friday at 1230. Please mark your calendar and join us again for the next edition of Sound Off on 96.7 The Eagle. Thank you for listening to the Sound Off podcast at 96.7TheEagle.com.